students from uh, the high school oftentimes your favorite your favorite subject your favorite food your favorite restaurant and one student put his favorite song was under that he had to the temple I repair that's a little strange that's a nice enough song I got to thinking of the words of that song to thy temple by repair Lord I love to enter there when within the veil I meet Christ before the mercy seat now that word to repair it's not used in the sense that we think of fixing something it's an archaic word term mean to go to to frequent something we do um, customarily hopefully going to the house of the Lord to the temple of God is something we do out of custom but I thought you know to repair that that word could have another meaning as we attend church as we engage in the life of the church as we go there with that mindset to worship God to repair our spirits to mend our spirits I think that happens it can happen it should happen there's some repairing that needs to be done when within the veil and I think that's referring to that veil that was split in the temple when Jesus died when within that veil and that within that picture um, we enter in freely on account of the, the work of the Lord Jesus but then I thought of another veil the veil Moses talked about the veil that is upon their hearts which uh, is, is kind of like us we see through a glass darkly but as we go into the temple of the Lord like David he began to see a, a new perspective of the things that were bothering him and maybe there's a veil over our heart a cloud a, a something that we can break through by meeting together while thy glorious praise is sung touch my lips unloose my tongue that my joyful soul may bless thee the Lord my righteousness I thought of my righteousness thy righteousness versus our own righteousness and there's there's some theology there the Lord my righteousness refers to uh, Jeremiah 23 6 it talks about Jehovah Sidkenu I believe that's a Hebrew word that refers to righteousness the Lord my righteousness that's an understanding I think it's biblically correct while the prayers of saints ascend God of love to mine attend see we're participating touch my lips unloose my tongue it's not that we're just sitting there enjoying the thing but God wants us to participate and it says hear me for thy spirit pleads hear hear me for Jesus intercedes in our prayers what's that about Jesus interceding Jesus pleading thy spirit pleading 
You know, our prayers are imperfect. I think that's what it's referring to. We pray the best we can, but sometimes the Lord has to just take up the slack in our weak moments. And he intercedes for us. He prays for us. I think that underscores our inabilities to express to the Lord the things of our hearts. We need the Spirit of God to do that. While thy ministers proclaim peace and pardon in thy name, through their voice by faith may I hear thee speaking from the sky. What's that about? You know, I think that refers to, I talked about the imperfection of our prayers. That could refer to the imperfection of our preaching. Through their voice by faith may I hear God speaking in spite of of the imperfections of our uh, rendering that word to God's people. So I, I thought of some of those things in that song. I think a whole sermon could be preached on, on this song. Um, I didn't intend to do that today, but maybe that's what it will turn into. But, you know, the last verse says, While I'm in, uh, from thy house when I return, from thy house when I return, the end of the day. May my heart within me burn, and at evening let me say, I have walked with God today. And I don't think that's just an idea at the end of the day, that the day was pretty good. I think we came out pretty good today. I think it's an overwhelming feeling that, that says, did not our hearts burn within us when we were in the presence of the Lord. Something that changes our perspective affects our life. I invite you to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. I'd like to um, think today on the subject of being rich towards God. Maybe that phrase rings a bell in your mind. But Matthew chapter uh, 25. In this story, verse 14, it talks about a man. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained another two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, 
thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained besides them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. I looked at that. Interesting, it says he gave to every man according to his ability. But you remember what happened to that servant that had that one talent? <clears throat> it's kind of like, what's, what's the principle that's in play here when it says, from everyone that hath shall be given? But we're going to take away from those that have little, and they won't even have anything. We're going to give that to the ones that had the most. <clears throat> well, what, what does this stem from? What is this? What was the expectation of this Lord as he left these goods in charge of these different people? And the talents, I understand, was quite a, a large sum of money in the millions, at least some commentators would say. It referred to the largest amount of money that um, designated in, that, in the language of that day for, for money. But we think of a talent maybe as a gift that we have, and maybe some of that same thing could apply. But this uh, servant that had one talent, he went and hid this talent. Now, I don't know what, um, if, if they were commanded to increase their value. I don't see that in this, in this account. But the first two took the initiative to do that. And um, I think that was, that was the... the uh, the strength of, of what they did was the motivation behind what they did. And I think that in turn was because of how they viewed who the master was. I think the lesson here is that the man with the one talent, he had a false estimation of the character of his Lord. He said, therefore, I hid my talent. I kept, I kept it safe for you. I, I didn't lose anything. 
Um, I preserved what you gave me. And then he said, there thou hast, that is thine. Um, take it back. Now, there was something wrong with that picture. <clears throat> As I thought of, of, of what it was. And this man said, he said, I knew, I knew you were a hard man. I knew you reaped where you did not sow. I know you gathered where you did not straw. You did all this stuff that was hard, has the idea of being harsh, stern, a tough man. And God says, that was your estimation of me? That was who you thought I was? You know what? Take that one talent, give it to the one who has the most. In fact, be it unto thee according to thy faith, I think is what God is saying. If that is how you thought of me, that in turn is I will live up to your expectation of what you estimated me to be. Now, I think he had a, a false estimation of his Lord. He was afraid of his Lord. But the truth of the matter was, the Lord was a man of joy. He told the others, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. I believe they realized that joy. They saw that, that their man, their master, was a man of joy. They were rich toward their master. I'd like to look now at Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 13, it says, One of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he may divide the inheritance with me. And he said, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a plentiful rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. This uh, is another parable. And sometimes we see the parables of Jesus and we think, I don't really understand that. I don't fully understand that. What is... The, the teaching that is meant to be seen here and maybe to a, a degree we, we understand a little bit what's going on. But here was a rich man who uh, was not using his riches according to the purposes of God. Why? 
I see a, a problem here in verse 18 and 17. And he thought, he thought within himself, what shall I do? I will pull down my barns. I will do this. I will build greater. There will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, and on it goes. It reminds me of the, the, um, the Old Testament prophecy of, of the uh, fall of Lucifer. When he said, I will ascend. I will do this. I will be like the Most High. And um, therein lay a problem. Laying up treasure for himself is not rich towards God. I don't think so much, it's so much about our pocketbook. You know, our church needs money. God uses our resources, and money is part of that. If, if you don't believe me, just cancel church because of snow and whatever offering was due that day. Believe me, it will be picked up the following Sunday in regard to the funds we need. Money is important in the life of the church. If we were all poor, God wouldn't be able to do the things he was able to do with our resources. And so I, I, I bless those who are able to make a living and make money. It's important in our day. <clears throat> Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 to maybe shed a little light on this thing about our pocketbooks. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5 through 11. <clears throat> Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a manner of bounty and not of, as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he is purposed in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things, and may abound to every good work, as it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sowers, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. I like the thoughts that come out in there where we have resources, we use them, we, um, we have a valid purpose for the use of our, our uh, time and our resources and our money in, in light of the needs of the church and the, and the body of Christ. And I'm thankful to be part of an organization that doesn't just say grace and peace to you, be ye warmed and filled, but we meet the material needs of, of our brothers as well. You could say it's, it's uh, the Christian life and the brotherhood is a holistic approach to our needs. It's not just spiritual. 
spirit, soul, and body kept blameless. God has uh, arrangements for the, the benefit and the welfare of all of those things. <clears throat> Third John 1, 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that ye mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prosperous. We've heard of, of the dangers of preaching a prosperity gospel. I've heard that all my life, that thought. Don't, don't preach that God's going to prosper you in those ways necessarily. And I don't know where all that lands and, and how that is always um, sorted out with God's blessings physically, spiritually, whether it always makes sense or lines up. But I do believe that there is a principle of being rich towards God's that opens the floodgates of God's blessing from heaven to where he will do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think, whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, it brings all those blessings into our life in some regard or another. Now when our attention becomes about me and I, and we start to have that attitude where these be thy gods, O Israel, that brought thee up out of the land of Israel, out of the land of Egypt. And even to the extent where we say, let's return to Egypt, that was, that was better. So having a heart that is rich towards God, and I believe to do this properly, it has to, it has to come from an understanding that it is God who is rich toward us. He is rich towards those who seek him. How do we know that? And why is that important? It's important to believe that because Hebrews 11.6 says, He that cometh to God must come to him, believing that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. It's imperative to believe it as such. <clears throat> The man that had the, the one talent, it was taken from him. And it was a costly, um, it was a costly decision he had made or, or assessment he had made in his mind because he was cast. Therefore, the unprofitable servant cast him into outer darkness <clears throat> where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that's serious business but I think it all stems from an improper view of who our Lord is. He said, my Lord's a thief. He steals. He, he reaps where he, where he didn't sow. He does all these things. But I believe in reality our God is, is a true God. He's a God of favor. He's a God of goodness and joy. And our challenge is to enter into the joy that of the Lord. Yes, we do that. Um, hopefully, at the end of life, we enter into the joy of the Lord. But what about here and now? 
do we have a, a positive view of who God is, a proper way, or at least in, in enough measure to desire to increase in our, our uh, richness towards God. I believe it comes through a study and a knowledge of his word, a reading of his word, a meditation therein, a pressing in to know God, and letting the spirit of God guide us into truth. And there are tangible things we do to press in and contend for the spiritual things of God to manifest in the natural, in our natural experiences. The Old Testament was full of instances where the spiritual men of God, <clears throat> they worked, they pressed in in the natural in order that God would be manifest. And it was in ways that I don't think are exclusive to the Old Testament. We remember Nehemiah in our last Sunday's message. There in the first chapter of Nehemiah, it talks about he received this bad news. What did he do? Well, first he heard it, he listened, he was attentive. But then it says he sat down. It must have really been bad news when you have to sit down when you hear it. And sometimes people will have bad news, they'll tell you, um, are you sitting down before I tell you this? He wept. He mourned. He fasted. He prayed. He beseeched God. He prayed that God's, God's um, ear would be attentive, that God would see and behold his prayer. I think of the effort that was put forth in the sacrificial system, <clears throat> the doing all the right things, the wearing of those special garments that had details and many things that were prescribed by the Lord, do it a certain way. And he told Moses many things, but he also showed him, interestingly, on the mount, God showed Moses things, it says, in that way. It makes you wonder what all was going on up there, whether he had some little show and tell to Moses. All this stuff in a certain way, the tabernacle itself, the furniture that was in the tabernacle, and then all the animals that were uh, <clears throat> much instruction given. It's interesting to read through that. And, and you say, what, what's this about? And they came to that first sacrificial ceremony and where they sanctified one another they went through all the procedures and in Leviticus chapter 9 I might just take you there briefly quickly this all was leading up to something see all the procedures there in chapter 9 Verse 24, and he brought Aaron's sons and Moses put of the blood upon the tip of their right ear and upon the thumbs of their right hand and upon the great toes of their right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood upon the altar round about. That's just an example of some of the things they did. Makes you wonder what all that was about. But in verse 23, it says, Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the Lord, blessed the people. And it was the glory of the Lord that appeared unto all the people. Now, it doesn't dramatize that event. But often in the word of God, it, it doesn't. 
dramatize a, a very spectacular event. Verse 24 says, There came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. Now there's a point I'd like to make going into chapter 10 here. It talks about Nadab and Abihu, the, the sons of Aaron took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord which he commanded them not. And there went out a fire from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. Very sad event, but I think what happened, Nadab and Abihu saw the glory of the Lord. They saw that manifestation. They got caught up in that. And they were exalted maybe in their own spirits that you know, this came about because of us. We are, the, we are the sons of Aaron. We are the priesthood. We made it happen. Look at who we are. You know, let's try this again. Let's go in there and, um, and let's, let's play with the machinery that brought this about. You know, I, uh, I think there's a, a New Testament event that corresponds to this event. And that's in Acts chapter 5. Let me take you there yet quickly. That is where Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, kept back part of the price. And we know how that story went. They brought this gift to the apostles, seemingly all doing the right things. But in their heart, they were not rich toward God. Now, I think what happened... In the, in the previous chapter, there was, this, um, there was this man Barnabas, uh, a son of consolation. His nickname was Joseph. He was nicknamed the son of consolation. Now what brought about this, I think, was this Barnabas sold some land. He saw the church. He had possessions. And with a, a right spirit, he took of that possession, sold it, and brought it to the apostles' feet. Therein, I think, the church was consoled. They were comforted by that extravagance. They saw the, the true spirit of those touched by the hand of God, by the Holy Ghost, bringing their resources to God. And I think out of that, he received a certain amount of favor, maybe some, some clout, maybe some favor in the sight of the people. And you have then onlookers seeing that, as did Nadab and Abihu. They wanted to duplicate that. They said, I, I would like some of that. I would like to tamper with the holy things of God, the sacred things of God. We're going to do the same thing, but in our hearts, you know, we're not going to be honest about this. It's more about us than it is about the Lord. Basically, it was wrong motivation. It was hidden agenda. That's, that's a serious thing when we try to live before the Lord deceitfully. Now, I think at that time it had, it had a, a very strong consequence because the church could not be founded upon a foundation of that. You know, out of that, if God had not stopped that circumstance, 
Um, the church could have been on a faulty footing that maybe could have took generations to get rid of that, um, that sin out of that situation. God says, no, my church will not be founded upon false premises. For thus saith the Lord, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And I think in all of this there has to be a voluntary nature to what we do. You know, we left the bulletin board up for volunteers. We had discussed it and what to do, whether to assign someone as a ministry we got together and I think the suggestion was made, well, maybe we could leave it to volunteers. And I seconded the motion because I was like, I like that spirit. I wish we could apply that volunteer spirit to all of the offices in the church to where we would have volunteers for superintendent and so on, song leaders. Think of, think of the strength that would come from the free will spirit of that nature. Now, you know, in reality, probably some of that wouldn't work. It's, it's idealism. We think, well, if people are, are uh, sanctified and holy in their hearts, why don't they volunteer? And I like the order we have. But, you know, here's an example where you can exercise some gifts, maybe, in the life of the church in a small way. And like Luke says, the, the work of the church is, is beyond just the things that happen in Sunday school. But um, being rich towards God, I think it means we don't counterfeit the things of God. Think how often the good things of God find a counterfeit in darkness, in the works of darkness. And the devil just likes to take the real thing, whether it's music, um, many of the spiritual gifts that are in the church. He likes to apply that take that strength and apply it into another avenue. So my challenge today is to be rich towards God, to serve God in, in the fullness of joy, in the strength of the Spirit of God. Shall we bow for prayer, kneel for prayer at this time?
Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to those who hear. And so we pray your blessing on our endeavors as we serve thee this day. May we go in, in faith and in patience that we may inherit the promises of the Lord upon our lives to see them in reality and to walk in newness of life to leave behind the things you have taught us whether it's houses or, or fathers or family or sisters for the sake of the gospel that we would receive even of that a hundredfold Lord in this life with persecution and in, in the next life life eternal so we press forward into that Father God we just bless the congregation here today we pray a blessing on the efforts in the coming week to reach out to the young ones. May you bless those who have a part in that. Bring clarity and direction to, to what needs to be said and done, the seeds of truth to go forth from all of our lives. Ask these blessings and favors in Jesus' name. Amen. to lead us in a song. Let's turn in the church hymnal to 521. 521. Mm -hmm. 